Hey guys, and welcome to the Money Podcast. You know, I've been investing for more than 40 years. I've learned a lot of lessons over the decades, many by making mistakes. <laughs> one of the most important lessons I've learned, though, is also one of the most simple. I'm going to read something to you that I wrote years ago in an article called The 10 Golden Rules of Becoming a Millionaire. Here it is. Rich people ring the register when the economy is booming, but that's not when they created their wealth. You get richer by investing when nobody else will. When unemployment is high, the market is tanking, everybody's freaking out, and there's nothing but fear and misery on the horizon. The cyclical nature of our economy all but ensures bad times will periodically occur, and human nature all but ensures that when bad times do happen, most people will freeze like a deer in the headlights. But downturns are the time you've been saving for. If you think the world is truly ending, buy canned food and a shotgun. If not, step up. As billionaire investor Warren Buffett famously advised, be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful. In other words, no no quote now, this is just me. Uh, recessions in the stock market, when the stock market crashes, that's often a time that's jarring the short term, but in the long term, they can make you rich if you're prepared. So that's what this week's Money Podcast is about. We're going to talk about how to prepare for the next recession and or market crash and how to prosper afterwards. I'm your host, Stacey Johnson. My co-host is financial journalist, Miranda Marquette. Hi, Miranda. hey yo. Listening in and sometimes contributing is our producer and also a novice investor, Aaron Freeman. Hey, Aaron. Hold on. I'm, I'm stalking my bunker. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys, before we get started, our usual disclaimer. Should you hear the names of stocks or other investments on this podcast, that doesn't mean they're recommendations. Never invest based solely on our advice because it may not relate to your personal situation. Get your own advice. Make your own decisions. Okay, now let's get back to the topic at hand, recessions. Do you, anyone want to take a stab at defining what I mean when I say recession? What's a recession? A recession is when you have two consecutive quarters of negative growth in the economy. You sound like a financial journalist. <laughs> It's just when the economy is going backwards. Thank you, Miranda. Right. <laughs> I've so, got to... but, but what happens in Can what we talk like that recessions? the entire podcast? Oh, my gosh. Let's not. <laughs> I don't care one way or the other. Um, so in a recession, you've got unemployment going up, hiring is going down, mass layoffs are happening. Well, we all just we just had one last year during the pandemic, right? A lot of people get out of work. Nobody buys anything. You know, and so, and that, then of course, this is a self-fulfilling uh, prophecy. You know, when people think things are going bad, they save their money. No one buys anything. Then the economy does get bad, and so this is what happens, and and it happens fairly regularly. We don't. We we've been pretty good, but generally speaking, there's a recession generally lasts about eleven months long, and that and last year's did, and they come about every five seven years. So that's what a recession is. Now, how many recessions have you guys lived through? I'm thinking, well, I was born in 79, so... 79, there was a major recession. Yeah. I was graduating from college. No, I was out of college then. So, like, I don't know, one, like four or five, probably? Yeah, well, I, was a stock, I became a stockbroker in 1981, and um, there was a recession then. The Dow was, I think the Dow was at like seven or 800, I think, I mean, it sounds impossible, but I think that it might have been. Anyway, and when, when I, the first couple of recessions I went through as an investor, I, I was one of those people who froze like a deer in the headlights because it, it, there's, the news is all bad. 
And it seems like it's going to get worse. I mean, no one ever says, oh, by the way, this is the bottom. You should be buying here. You know, things are going to improve tomorrow. They don't do that. They say, life is horrible. You know, it's going to get worse. And so it, so the third recession, which, okay, let's, I don't know if it's the third or what, but in tw 2009, I finally woke up and I bought a whole bunch of stocks when the market was literally within 1% of its bottom. Which was, I mean, that was just a freak accident that I did that. I didn't know how to pick the bottom. I just started buying stuff when things looked really dark. So instead of freezing like deer in the headlights, after 30 years, I, I figured out, well, maybe this is the time I should buy. And of course, I made a ton of money on those stocks. I mean, I bought J.P. Morgan at $27, and now it's 150 So, I mean, that, that did very well. But let's talk about how to prepare for a recession. Do you, do you have any specifics, Miranda? What would you do? What would you advise somebody if they said, what's the main thing I would do, I should do to prepare for a recession? Um, I mean, I think it depends on where you're at with your finances. But for the most part, I think some of the things that, um, you know, you might want to do uh, are kind of reduce some of your debt so that if you lose your job, uh, you aren't stuck uh, with high with high debt payments, uh, you know, kind of bolster your savings a little bit so you can get through it. And if you are in a position where you have the ability to set aside money, uh, one of the things I've been doing is uh, I set aside a little bit uh, in a in a very liquid account to make sure that I have you know short term liquidity so that if something comes up. I can tap those accounts. Um, and then once it reaches a certain point, I take the excess and invest it. Um, I have not been investing that recently because for the last couple of years, I've been waiting for a stock market crash and that just won't come. And so, um, so, so I'm also like, I'm still dollar cost averaging. I'm still staying the course with all of that stuff, but my extra money, um, that hasn't been going to weird experiments with Dogecoin and penny stocks, uh, I've been letting sit on the sidelines so that, uh, it's ready to be deployed when the stock market crashes. So I think it kind of depends on where you're at with your finances. I also like to make a list of, okay, what are the first things I can cut if, if, if an emergency situation comes up with my money, right? Like going through and, and prioritizing and saying, okay, what are the things that I have right now in my life that are luxuries, that are wants, uh, that I can immediately cut back on uh, so that if the recession does hit and I do run into a loss of income, uh, I can, I know exactly what to cut to save money. So I think, I think kind of thinking ahead and just being ready with a plan also helps a lot. Yeah, you're right. And, and I think it's also true that it depends on what your situation is. When we talk about preparing for a recession, we could be talking to somebody who might lose their job in an assembly line, or we also might be talking to somebody who's got lots of money. They're just, are they retired? You know, they don't have that worry, uh, but they may be worried about a stock market crash. So obviously, these things can affect us all in different ways. But I, but I certainly agree with what you said, creating a cash cushion. Uh, and, and I'm doing that now, actually. Speaking of which, maybe we should take a couple of steps back. The market's hitting all-time highs. Why are we talking about a recession? What to do when the next recession or market crash happens? I mean, shouldn't we be talking about it then? Or do you think it's possible we should we could be staring down the the uh, staring down the barrel of a recession soon, or a market crash? What do you think? Are the, are the fundamentals of what's what creates a recession somewhere in the news? Well, well, what, I mean, what it seems mean like the only way? thing that's out there that's scary is is uh, maybe like the Delta variant uh, causing some supply chain issues. Yeah, you know, the, the one thing, yes, there are things, Aaron, that you can, you can use to try to predict when a recession may come. 
Uh, but the truth is, there's so many variables in the world, it's impossible to predict. And and I'll tell you what, what is more of an example of that than COVID? Who saw that coming? You know, and, and so things can happen that you don't expect. But obviously, there are things like, oh, for okay, here's something about a stock market crash. And this is important. Um, I said in our last podcast that I own Apple and I own Google and I own Facebook and I own Microsoft. Um, and all these stocks historically trade at about, well, they trade more expensively than the market. They trade, in, the market typically has about a 17 price earnings ratio. These stocks are big growers. So, so they trade at about 25 times earnings. But right now, um, Microsoft, Apple, they're over 30 times earnings. They're getting expensive relative to their earnings. So their stock prices are high. And that's why when these stocks uh, announced earnings this week, they went down instead of up, even though their earnings were awesome. They went down instead of up because people are thinking, this is about as high as it can get. And I'm not going to pay 35 times earnings for these stocks. And so this is a sign that the market's getting toppy. When they announce great earnings, stocks don't go up. They're trading it you know, way higher multiples than they typically do. And so that doesn't mean their stock market's going to crash tomorrow. It could go like this for years. But it makes me less likely to buy stocks. I like to buy stuff when it's cheap, like I just told you I did in 2009, um, not when it's as high as it's ever been. So there are some signs that you could, that you could use uh, for, uh, to predict that the stock market's getting a little high. Recessions, you might want to see interest rates starting to go up. That's certainly a sign of a recession. Is hiring going down? Is unemployment going up? But by the time you get signs like that, it may be too late. So bottom line, we have no idea how to predict this. That is correct. That's, that's a great way of putting it. Yes, we, <laughs> we have no way to predict it. One, one thing, I, can I throw something into the ringer? Go. I cannot remember where I read this. I had it, had it earlier today. Um, but it, it, it basically said um, there are millions and millions of newbie stock investors, uh, living room stock investors that have put their hat in the ring. And a lot of these guys are what have driven the meme stocks and stuff like that. And some investors are worried that these guys might tip the scale in one way or the other and cause a little bit of a crash, basically, because they don't really know what they're doing. I don't disagree with that. And I think, and by the way, that's exceedingly common. When the market is topping, that's when the little guy gets invested. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've seen this, you guys. There was a huge stock market uh, crash in the year 2000. There's a huge run-up in internet stocks in the late 90s. And in the, in the year 2000 or so, they were, stocks were going public and, going and screaming in price with no hope of ever making a profit. I mean, it was just ridiculous. Kind of like Bitcoin is now. But when you see this froth, I was working at a, at a station in Cincinnati at the time, TV station, and the weatherman comes to me and he goes, Stacey, I put, took out a second mortgage on my house to buy internet stocks. What do you think? I said, I think you're, I think you're an idiot. I think you just told me the market's topping. That's what I think. And, you know, when uh, I, I, was, I do on set stuff with anchor, you know, the news anchors, whatnot, and they'd say, uh, you know, like, how do you, what do you think the market's going to do? And I said, well, it's going to go down. Well, how do you know that? Well, because the stock market can't go up 27% every year. Ultimately, it has to revert to the mean. If the average of the stock market is 10% a year, and the stock market's gone up 25% a year for the last three years, it has to revert to the mean sooner or later, unless you think the whole world has changed. And guess what? It hasn't. So if, when the market's gone up a whole bunch, the odds are increasing that it's going to go down because it has to, to revert to the mean. Does that make sense? Totally. 
Yeah, 100%. Now, when that's going to happen, who the hell knows? I mean, and this is why, you know, to me, Bitcoin is tulip bulbs. I mean, it's just, a, it's just ridiculous speculation as far as I'm concerned. But I own some. Why? Because it could go to the moon. I don't know. You know, I mean, just because something doesn't make sense doesn't mean it can't continue to not make sense for a long period of time. So basically, the number one set is, is to hoard cash because you're talking about like, okay, you know there's going to be a downturn. So you're trying to invest a little bit in your long-term investment. But at the same point, you want to have a lot of cash on the side so that when it does go down, you can, you know, pull it out and, and, and buy some stocks. There you go. Now, the hard part there is figuring out how do you know that there's a bottom? How, not, not that you can find the bottom, but I've noticed just in the short period of time that I've been buying stocks, you know, I see them going up and down, up and down. And I'm like, oh, okay, so it's gone down, you know, six bucks. Should I buy a little more? You know, but then you're in the back of my mind going, hey, there could be a major recession at some point. It could go down, you know, a ton more. So I'm like, well, I don't want to buy if it just went down six bucks. I want to buy it if it goes down, you know, a hundred bucks. How do you know? How do you do that? How do you navigate you that that little thing where like it goes down by a little bit, goes down by a little bit, but at the same point you got to make sure that you're not you're not completely liquidating all your savings. Yeah, well, I mean, you you know what you do? You use the Miranda method, you dollar cost <laughs> average. Like let, let's say you you save up a lump sum of cash. You know, you have a bank account and you start building it now, a cash cushion, and then you say to yourself. When the market falls 20%, I will either buy stocks or buy ETFs and I will dollar cost average into them in case the market keeps going lower. Uh, or you, you, know, you keep some powder dry. So w when, the, when the market crashed last year from the, from the pandemic, I bought 100 shares of five different stocks, I think. You know, you know, but powder dry, is that, a, is that a stock trader reference to cocaine? <laughs> I, I believe i believe it refers to gunpowder but that's a that's an uh, astute observation because oh, okay. i've certainly seen uh, stock traders using that substance before <laughs> back in the 80s especially i was i was in the world trade center in the 80s let me tell you something you could ski in there <laughs> um anyway <laughs> so one thing is to do obviously is to have a big bank account if you're an investor, you have a big bank account so you can take care of uh, or you can you can take advantage of any situations. If you're if you're a regular nine to fiver or making ends meet, you want that cushion in case you get lose your job. Right. So you need to, So you want to increase that cash cushion as much as you can. Now, what about and Miranda also mentioned tracking your expenses so you can see what you can cut if you need to. Right. Updating your resume. You know, how about how about networking? You know, if you think that you're, you, you guys both get paid by Money Talks News. Uh, they're both independent contractors. They do different things for our company. But without my company, well, you'll probably both be okay. But you, if what if Stacy goes out of business? You might want to network with other companies, you know, just in case. Stacy's not going out of business, though, I hasten to add. You know why? Because Stacy has a big fat, big fat cash cushion. That's why. <laughs> no, you know, really, though, when the, when the pandemic hit, and everyone was scared. And I wrote to everybody, uh, I wrote an email to everybody that writes for us. And Miranda, you'll back me up on this. I, I said, you know, I don't want you to know we're not going anywhere because we save for rainy days. As a matter of fact, we're going to advertise more now because we, we've saved up for just this situation. If you need help, you let me know because we're here to help you. Because I do save for rainy day. So we had plenty of cash going into the, re the recession. But anyway, networking is always a good idea. How about getting a side job? You know, if you're a person that might lose their job, 
Yeah, I mean, I think, and I, I but I, you know, I think it's, I think it's important to be careful about the whole, um, you know, side, side job thing. Not everybody has time for it, but, well, but true. yeah, I think, but I think if you can, if you do have a little extra money, and or if you do have a little extra time, and you can kind of pad that out a little bit to help pad up your savings or uh, create some other source of income, it can be very helpful. And I think one of the things that's most important um, is income diversity in general, uh, because. A lot of people these days are like, oh, well, and they've been telling me a lot like, oh, well, you know, as a freelancer, like, don't you feel worried? And I'm like, well, I have I have income diversity, not any one of my clients. I'm not overly reliant on any one of my clients for work. And then I also have other kinds of things like I've been building my investments over time. So I've got that going. And and, and and I, you know, I do, I do have like, if I, if I need to, I'll sign up for Lyft or DoorDash or whatever. Um, because a lot of people don't realize that your one job, that nine to five job that we like to think of as sta stable, isn't always stable. And if that's your only source of income, and you don't have any other backup, uh, if you lose that, I mean, that can be devastating. Now, let me ask you this. Do you want to pay off your debt? Uh, do you, if you want to use your cash to pay off your debt, and that doesn't that sacrifice your cash cushion? Before you answer, let me take a quick break. <laughs> we have to pay the bills. We'll be right back, folks. Okay, we're back. Okay, so the question was, do I use my cash as a cushion or do I use it to pay down my debt, which I may have a problem with if the recession occurs? What, what do I do, Miranda? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things is, um, you know, I I personally uh, have a hard time with the idea of just blanket paying off all your debt at once, um, especially if you're worried about the cash cushion. I think it's important to reduce your high interest debt where you can. I mean, I I, I just bought a new car, and I have a two point nine, I have a two point four nine percent interest rate. I am not going to hurry and pay that off right now. Um, because I want to maintain a cash cushion that will allow me to keep making monthly payments if my income drops. And so also, I'd rather have that money in the market than going into a depreciating, you know, asset. Yeah, that's really low interest debt. It is. And so so I think it really depends. Like if we're talking about a credit card, um, you know, uh, you know, maybe maybe you do want to kind of up how much you're putting if you're already working on paying down your credit card debt. Uh, and you, you, you run some numbers, you say, okay, I'm going to put a little bit more into paying down my credit card debt faster uh, during this time. But I still want to maintain a, uh, a cash cushion just in case. I mean, it's hard as you're getting ready to go into a recession, you kind of have to like weigh that out. The other thing to consider is that, um, especially if once the recession hits, a lot of the time what you see is a drop in credit card interest rates during a recession. And so you might actually be able to pay off your credit card more expeditiously during a recession than right now. Now, let me, how about this? And we're going to, yeah, we got to go to our question here shortly. But the one thing I would urge people to do, especially if you haven't been through this before, we've gone through a huge bull market here. I've got, I've made so much money in the stock market. It's embarrassing. But guess what? I know what it's going to be like when that when I wake up and my investments are half what they used to be. I, I'm saying I know because I've been through it, but it's going to hurt because you you go through. I mean, I go through my day thinking that I'm worth this much money, you know, and I don't want to be worth half this much money. And it hurts when I, I feel poor, you know, when the stock market goes down. 
my point is this, if you're not used to being in a recession or into a stock market crash, get your do a gut check. Are you really going to be okay with losing 50% of the value of your portfolio? I'm not going to tell you to sell it, even though I think the market's way overvalued right now, because like I said, it can stay overvalued for a long time. I'm not selling, I'm not selling my stuff either. But if you're not, if you don't, if you really don't know what it's going to be like to lose half the value of your portfolio, think about it because that, that could happen to you. And if you're not ready for that, if you don't do that gut check, and if you're not prepared for what that's going to feel like, you may panic and sell at the bottom, which is not how you get rich. That's how you get poor. So be very careful about that. Think it through. And if you got too much in the market, if 50% of a 50% loss would make you lose sleep, then sell some stuff. Take some, bring the register, take some money off the table while the market's high. You guys, make, that makes sense to you guys? Would you say that's uh, really important for people who are in retirement or close to retirement? Oh, more so, of course. But have a plan, you know? I mean, if you look at your portfolio and it's and it's now, I mean, if you, if you want to have 50% of your long-term savings in stocks and you've got the same stocks I do, you probably have more than 50% of your savings in stocks right now because they've gone up so much in the last year. So keep your, keep your ratios the way you want them to be and don't, don't have too much invested. I remember the last recession, there were all these news stories, not, not last year, but 2009, there were all these stories about these people on the verge of retirement who are 100% invested in speculative ETFs and their 401ks. And I'm like, what the hell is wrong with you? Why would you ever have all of your money in something speculative when you're 59 years old? But they did. And you know, so now, how would you like to retire or, or all of a sudden lose half of your 401k on the verge of retirement? Do not let that happen to you. It's amazing that anyone did, but that a lot of people did. Where are you at? Have you done any of this? Yes. Well, yeah, I mean, I have. But, you know, the thing is, Aaron, that my income, uh, I've, I save a lot of my income. So my balance stays about the same, even though my stocks have gone up a lot. But my savings have also gone up a lot. So my cash and my stocks are maintain the same balance. But I look at it every single month. As a matter of fact, today's the 29th of July. Two days from now, I will be doing my net worth statement. And I, and I have a spreadsheet with a formula that will tell me exactly what percentage I have in stocks and what percentage I have in cash. I do it every single month. But as you analyze the news right now, we're doing this recession uh, podcast. As you analyze the news right now, you're what are you thinking? Are you thinking, eh, maybe, maybe not? Could you be one could recession not be one? coming. Yeah, I, I, I think we've got through the through twenty twenty two before we have a recession. But that's what everybody thinks, right? And you know what? The the one thing the stock market will always do is fool everybody. Okay, so what's <clears> our question today, Miranda? Uh, this is from Bill. Hi, Bill. Uh, he says, hi, my wife turned 65 in September. She has a high deductible health policy through the marketplace. She will start Medicare in September. How much can she contribute to her HSA? And when must she make all that contribution? Oh, I, I actually was in this exact situation. I turned 65 last year, and I also had an HSA. Um, so what happens when you when you're in Medicare, you're no longer eligible for an HSA. So the minute you turn 65 and enroll in Medicare, you lose eligibility for an HSA. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't contribute to it this year though. Right right now she can contribute. Let's say that, okay, she's gonna be turning 65 in September. So that means basically three quarters of the year she, she was eligible for the HSA, right? So that means that you just use that ratio and she can put in, let's say that if it's She's going to be able to put in three quarters of whatever the maximum contribution would be for her HSA for this year. 
So that means that, it, it, so if you're, you know, let, to make it simple, if she, if it was June, then she'd have half a year. It's September, she's got three quarters of a year, so she gets three quarters of a contribution. Now she has until April, this make it confusing. She has until April 15th of next year to fund that HSA. Uh, so she doesn't have to fund it before she gets Medicare. She just she can fund it by by next May by next April when you file your taxes, but the amount that she's going to be able to put in is going to be three quarters of the regular maximum contribution. I hope, I hope that made sense. It wasn't too confusing. Yeah, I, yeah, I think I, yeah, you just kind of have to be aware of of where you're at. Okay, I'm afraid we're out of time, guys, but we're never out of topic. So dig a little deeper. You're going to find links to lots more info in our show notes. And remember, if your goal is to make more to spend less, to retire rich. And isn't that everyone's goal? Your online home is moneytalksnews.com. And don't forget to check out Miranda's online home as well. That is Miranda Marquit, M-A-R-Q-U-I-T.com. You've got a question, comment, or topic you'd like to suggest, we'd love to hear from you. Just email us at hello at moneytalksnews.com. That's hello at moneytalksnews.com. And one last thing, if you appreciate what we do, then do something for us. Subscribe to this podcast. Takes you two seconds really helps us though so if you like it show us and subscribe i'm stacy johnson and i'm miranda marquette and i'm aaron freeman thanks for hanging out with us guys we're going to see you right here next time